You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. We're in a miracle mile. We're in a place where God is doing extraordinary things. And I, I want to encourage you today because we're all human. I'm yet to find a perfect Christian. Seriously, if you find one, shoot them because they're not true. Well, don't do that. They couldn't say that in America. Maybe not even here. Somebody will send me a letter for sure. Here's the thought that miracles begin in seed form. And God is wanting to take each one of us on a journey where we can personally experience what it is to unlock the supernatural. And yet legacy is about not just the offering that's gonna set us up, to do so much more significant things in the community, but it's about the fact that we can create a life echo. There is something about legacy that uh, is not just for some people. God has created all of us to create something that goes generationally, and, and it's a result of activating faith. I've been thinking about these words, get ready. God's been saying to me, get ready, get ready. It's like, well, God... So much is happening, he says, get ready because what's happening around you is yet just a foretaste of what is in the future. If we back the church up 27 years ago before we had our first service here in New Zealand, Marie and I were living in Australia and uh, God spoke to us about coming. And I'll never forget God saying, God God said, Paul, you've got to realise because we were kind of negotiating. God, if this is really you, then it's, we don't want to be part of just another church on another street corner, but we want to see something of your kingdom stand in the centre of a nation. That uh, there would be an alternative to the way of a godless thinking about life. And it's like God says, well, this is my commitment that every step and every season, every stage, I'm going to bring people that have it in their heart. And I'm going to release what they are a part of building the kingdom. In fact, he gave us Deuteronomy 28, if you wanna read it any time, but beginning in verse one, he said this so clearly to us, it shall come to pass. And I just put myself in there, Paul, if you will diligently obey, not just take the call and do what you want, but diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully everything that He gives you. Everything that you are being commanded with today, the Lord, your God will set you high above nations of the earth. It's an amazing thing that New Zealand punches above its weight. Then verse two, all of these blessings shall come upon you and they will overtake you. Can you imagine being in the kind of life where you're not just blessed by the expected, but the unexpected? Where the greatest of your dreams and the greatest of your God expectations kind of would overtake you. But again, God was speaking directly to us, but it takes obedience. It's not just like a feel-good factor or the moment that we should be doing something. No, it's about God. And, you know, we sang this morning, that's why I wanted us to sing it before I got up. It's like, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. That's a warm, fuzzy word. Think about it. You're a faithful person. You're a good person. I can rely on you. I'm thankful that even though I am not faithful, God is always faithful. But I want you to take that word this morning and think about faithfulness. 
that word nest. So I went to the dictionary because English is not my strong suit, but this is what I read about the word nest. It's an added quality or condition. So maybe God could turn me into a faithful person with faithfulness. Three parts of the equation. God is a God of faith. God just doesn't wake up in the morning and say, let's do a rerun. It's like, let's take faith. I'm a creator God. And so He's not just got faith, but everywhere you prod Him, you hit faith. He's full of faith. Come on, 11 o'clock. What are you full of this morning? I'm full of brunch, somebody says. We had a late breakfast. It's like, are you full of your past? Are you full of impossibility? Are you full of listening to the lie of the enemy and, and here you are hearing about legacy and I can make a difference and yet God is faithfulness. He is or, or lives with a condition of being filled with faith. And I believe that God is stirring us up as a church not to settle but to constantly have yes and obedience when God calls. Too often Christians live with a circumstantial Yes. People say to me, well, so what's been the keys over 27 years? We're just simple enough to say, yes, if God says, would you do it? Oh, I started out doing it, but then it didn't look that clear anymore. So I kind of backed off. Or, well, to be honest, Paul, I've been through some pretty deep kind of things. And, you know, it's, it just all got a bit hard. I kind of felt I was on the right path. And yet God says, no, you have to remain faithful. Got to live with obedience I'm thankful that Jesus was faithful because when He hit the garden, every demon in hell tried to convince Him He shouldn't go through with it. And He's there with the Father saying, Father, this is too much for me. Nevertheless, not at my will, but Your will be done. And He walked through the garden, through the cross. And today we live in the benefit of His resurrection. And I feel like God is saying there is a mandate on this church and other churches that are accept the yes obedience call to go, come on, we're not parking because it didn't work out. We're not, we're not just here trying to see more of the old. I wonder what could be on the other side of your garden of Gethsemane. I wonder what God could do through your life as an echo to generations to come because of your Simple, full faith, obedience. See, our faith, that's a, that's a buzzword, but legacy requires an activated faith. You go to Hebrews 11, I'm parked in there. I've been there for weeks. Verse one begins by saying these words that faith is the substance of things hopeful. Oh, I, I got a dream and I'm hoping. I'm believing something will shift. No, 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 faith is not a hope. That's the formative phase of faith. Faith is a conviction, a full, faith, obedient response. It's the evidence of things that I can't see. It's like people say to me all the time, do you really believe we're gonna get there by 2020? He says, well, do we believe God asked us to stand for that? Evidence of things not seen. And yet all the way through Scripture, by it, the elders, those that went before, obtained a great echo, a testimony, a legacy. Why? Because they stood in faith. In first six of the same chapter, but without faith, if you don't live by faith, you can have a belief in God. It's impossible to make God happy. 
Because God doesn't want you to live or me to live contained by circumstantial faith or contained just to this world, but to unlock on behalf of others so much more. And that's why faith is so under attack. I don't think, you know, I certainly haven't thought much about it, but as I was preparing, I felt like I was led with this thought that the enemy knows that faith creates legacy. So their faith in us is warred against by the enemy and he he wants us to back off faith. Just live a good life. Don't live a faith-filled life. Don't have an echo of faithfulness. So he attacks us. You go to Ephesians 6 and verse 16, it says, therefore you need to take up the whole armour of God. But verse 16, above everything in the armour, you need the shield of faith. It's not like, well, I hope it'll happen. No, the shield of faith, because when you've got faithfulness, then there's no attack. There's no lie from the enemy that can take you back to your past. Come on, the addiction that keeps saying, I'm gonna stick around. It's like, no, faith is gonna, what is it gonna do? Quench the fiery dart. Oh, somebody, come on, get alive. It's kind of like, yeah, you say, well, Paul, could my life change? Everything about you can change if you were to embrace faith. Brings pleasure to God. Opens up a highway to the supernatural. Creates a legacy. And I, and I feel like a, a dad in the faith to stir people. Faith is about the here now and it's also about tomorrow's legacy. It's like faith. Yeah, but I can't see it. No, of course you can't see it. It's not there yet, but you can see it. Yeah, but I, I don't feel like it right now. Well, we've all got like now feel moments. But no, I'm declaring what the Word of God. And I think all of us, legacy, this isn't about building buildings. This isn't even not about just a whole lot of extended community work. It's about creating an echo of heaven. An echo of the kingdom. And it's gonna take all of us to become men and women of faith. I reckon the enemy wars against our faith. And let me give you three thoughts this morning. First, through our human security. See, faith is beyond the realms of, of a human being able to secure the process. Faith is about a God initiative where we need to look at our humanity and surrender the feelings and not allow our human security to dictate whether we're in or not. Over years working with people, there's so many with their lips have promised so much. And yet I often think, man, so few make it to the finish line. And I think, why is that? Because possibly the enemy attacks them like I've been attacked many times in the place of human security. Like, God, you want us to do that, but but I can't see how that will happen and I need security to stay on in that. It's It's a bit like this thought that security, I believe, is the enemy to surrender. Think about that. It was William Booth who founded the Salvation Army, a great Methodist preacher said, the greatness of someone's authority is in the measure of their surrender. So you say, well, I believe God, yeah, but are you able to surrender? No is the answer if you need human security. So I wanna walk a life of faith, but then there is no way I can absolutely, naturally prove it's gonna happen. It's a bit like this story, pastoring people for many years. If you've gone through kind of a a really bad, destructive experience as a child or something happened to children around you, or 
particularly if it happened to you, then you become a parent. Often the challenge or the tendency is you overprotect your child. We're in a society because bad things happen, we overprotect. And there is a right, obviously, way of doing things right and having the right protection. But what I'm saying is, when we go through some stuff, it's easy to overprotect ourselves. Rather than say, well, God, if you want me to go on this journey, hey, I'm all in. But you can't have surrender if you want to maintain personal security. So when you read the story in Genesis 22 of Abraham and Sarah, you discover God had promised this couple a baby. It never came. So they went to more prayer meetings. It never came. So they worked harder on the welcome team. It never came. The visiting prophet came through. They asked for prayer, but it still never came. So finally they thought, well, if it's not gonna come, then maybe with this other woman we could have a baby. And they did, but it wasn't the baby. Sarah's now 90. He's 100. She won't even kiss him anymore. It's all over, Red Rover. No, 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 this isn't just a story. What would you do in that situation? Maybe 80, 70, 80 years of disappointment. Let's just wrap it up. It's not gonna happen. It should have happened by now. We made a commitment. It's not there. I don't know. Human security, no. Here this security is the enemy of surrender. Apparently, Abraham didn't give up. You know, somebody will explain what I mean there if you. <laughs> and then God comes along after Isaac is born. He's now a young man. And God says to Abraham, you know, your son, how many know there's been a lot of overprotection? I want him for me. Somebody said to me this morning, that wasn't about the release of Isaac. It was about the release of Abraham. And this is the amazing thing. God speaks one day, the next thing in Genesis 22, early in the morning, He gets up and says, son, we're going. Where are we going? We're going to make a sacrifice for God. I don't know if He went early to get away from Sarah before she asked the question. I don't know if He went early because He couldn't sleep all night thinking about the reality of it. But one thing I can tell you, He didn't allow His human security to stop surrendering in obedience to the God now moment. So they go off and he says to the, the stewards or the servants with them with the supplies for the trip, you guys stay. Me and the boy are gonna go up and we will come back to you. Even though he knew God wanted Isaac as a sacrifice. Then Isaac says, dad, dad, you got the wood, you got the fire, but where, where, where's, where, where's the sacrifice? You know what he says? God will supply for himself. Step of faith is not so much about you, it's about him. A lamb. And you'll know the story, he's about to slay his son. God calls and says, no, now I know that you're completely surrendered. Seriously, this is not a preach this morning. The angel of the Lord, verse 15, called a second time. Most Christians never get a second call because we don't pass the first test. He said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord of hosts, 
Because you have done this thing, obedience. Because you have, not the person next to you. You have not withheld your son with human security. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. Listen to this. The generations that follow you, legacy, will possess the gate of their enemies. Once the enemies had control, now they will. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth, Altaroa, will be blessed because you move from human security to surrender. Because you have obeyed the voice of your God. And I look at that and I go, team, we're always in this place of juggling to try and secure up what God has said. And God says, I don't want it that way. I want dependency. You say, well, I struggle with that. Well, so do I. Our own human security. How do you balance it? This is the key. Let go. Let God. How is all this going to happen? How will legacy happen? Let go. Paul, let go. Let me. See, I think a lot of us think we just got to work harder. No, we've just got to surrender more. If God started it, then God can lead us to it. And you know, the thing is, whatever you begin to control in a human capacity, you've got to control more and more, more and more. Come on, we're taught to control. Even leaders control people. Then they've got to control. It's not about controlling anyone. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to do what He's here to do. You can't control the outcome. You can respond and surrender with obedience. And in that place of letting go to let God, something begins to shift. If we fail to let go of our human security, we'll ever add the D to our go. Okay, here's the picture I got this week. You can give everything to God, but you don't get the D, which is the divine component to all your energy. The supernatural supply. You don't get the deliverance that only God can bring. You don't get the destiny that He's promised. You don't get the wonder of the direction and clarity of the Holy Spirit unless you surrender go for God. Maybe this week it's kind of like, well, God, help me with that. The enemy knows your faith, my faith, when I'm full of it, creates legacy. So he wants us just to allow the natural things to hold us back. Our human security, the second is our human priorities. Let's be honest, we're in a very distracting history moment all around us. There is so much that wants to take our energy. And by the way, the more gifted we are, I think the greater the challenges. It's kind of like we can just do it all. And it's like, well, that's not the way that God wants for me. Again, I could do quite a few things. It's like God has often tapped me on the shoulder. He said, do you know I'm still there? And I go, yeah, I love you, God. Thank you. You are still there. No, no, you know I'm still there. It's like point taken. I've got to watch as all of us that our human priorities, we don't get distracted in the things. Like God wants to bless us, but in the blessing, He knows they have the power to distract. There was a guy who was a very committed person to life back in the time that Jesus walked the earth. He went to church all the time. As I said, he was on all the teams. He'd done next steps. He was 
very committed. He'd been through Life Leadership College. He had all the answers. Not only that, he lived it out. So he comes to Jesus and he says, I don't seem to carry what you carry. How do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the, the, the Bible. You know there are requirements. You know you're gonna live a certain way. He said, honestly, I've read the Bible. I've studied it. I passed with high honours at LLC. But, in fact, I've done it all, but I still need something. He said, yeah, actually you do. There's one thing you lack. You've allowed money, possessions to become the determining factor in your life. That's why, you know, the enemy hates it. Uh, I think churches talk too much about giving, but here at Life we teach on money because money is one of the greatest weapons the enemy has because it's natural security wrapped. And we need to build generationally and have good principles of money management. But it's like, there's nothing wrong with having money, young man, said Jesus, but money's got you. And this is what he did. He went away sorrowful because he wouldn't let go of the thing that had become his priority. Hey, that could be for us, a house, a car. God wants to bless us, work hard, be blessed, find abundance, but never let it become what decides what you're doing with your life. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, very quickly, Paul writes, he says, there is no other foundation. Get this clearly. You can't create a foundation to a legacy life. Nobody can lay than that which is laid. And that's Jesus Christ. In fact, now if anyone builds on this foundation, he can build. This is talking to believers. You can build with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. So you can have your faith, you can have the grace of salvation, but how you build can be very different to the person next to you. But each one's work will become clear at the end of time, for in that day, it will be declared because it's gonna be revealed by fire. In other words, everything we do on planet Earth one day will be subject to a fire that burns and tests the nature of what it was all about. It's gonna test everyone's work to see what sort it is. If anyone has built on it endures, that one will move into heaven with great reward. If anyone's work is burned, wood, hay and stubble or straw, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved yet as by fire. That's kind of pretty tough teaching at the 11 o'clock. It's like, so really, like a spiritual dad talking to you, if we're sitting over a coffee, I say, what in your life is gonna have a generational legacy echo? Yeah, but we're gonna do this. Gonna, yeah, and then once you've done that, then we're all gonna do this and then we're gonna do that. God, if you only gave me a spouse, it'll all be so different. <laughs> then you get a spouse and it's, oh, so much work. <laughs> and then God, oh, we just had a baby, little angels running around, wouldn't that be great? Then the angels come and turn into something else in their teenage years. <laughs> then we have job problems, and then we were gonna get a house, then we got a house, we got a mortgage, we can't pay for it, and the car breaks down and everything else happens. And before we know it, it's over. That's a shortened version. <laughs> Come on, are you hearing me? What robs faith? Human, our human security, our human priorities. So how do you balance human priorities? You just gotta make sure you continue to invest in lasting kingdom value. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget one of our great, great ladies, Stephanie, she, I think she's turning 90 this year. She went to Sisters 
goes every year. It's the eight, she was 87 this year and we had torrential rain, if you remember. Anyway, everybody was turning away, couldn't find car parks, everybody was wet. It was just a bad night. We just didn't have car parks for everybody. Anyway, somebody says, oh, Stephanie's come. I said, she braved the rain? I said, yeah, more than that, she got drenched, 87-year-old. But she went into the women's toilets, she took her clothes off. And she got the hand dryer and dry, dried them all out. Stuck them back on. She did a Mr. Bean in the toilet. <laughs> Came into the service. I went up to her and I said, Stephanie, did you get where she says, I was drenched. And you're still here? Of course. I'm still here. Couldn't stick around for another five minutes because there was somebody that needed my encouragement. Because I was going to do something that in the end didn't mean anything. Come on. Legacy people are a different spirit. They are full of faith. So much so that it becomes their added condition. Something about who God is. And then a third, come on, Vicky, come and join me, would be not just... Our human security robs faith or seeks to war against faith, our human priority, but also our human reality. See, if we look at what's there, we never allow the Holy Spirit to cause us to believe for more. Every time faith operates, it's kind of like, okay, well, how would we ever go from around 25, 26 million to 45 million in less than two years? I don't know. I don't even have to know. Pastor came up to me at Open Heaven, Auckland. He said, Paul, you might have heard this before. How do you carry the weight of all the finances? The vision I hear is so big, but how do you carry it? I said, I don't. I know it's there and we're responsible for it, but I'm not gonna carry it. Faith is still in the God equation. Come on, some of you that have committed, it's like, it's just not working out. Stop looking at that. Speak to the seed. Begin to stir it up. There was a woman in 2 Kings 4 and she had a godly husband. He died. We don't know why. And it's like, for most of us, let's skip town. That's enough, God. Why didn't you help? I got two boys, can't pay the debts. Instead of running away from God, which we do, she ran to Elisha. She said, what can, what can we do? Elisha said, what do you have? She said, nothing. Ever felt like that? Maybe you're here today. God, I thought you were going to blow on it. Look at it, it's nothing. It's not nothing, it's a seed. You can't have the fruit of faith without the belief in seed. Well, well actually, I, I'm going to lose the house, going to even lose the boys to slavery. I got nothing but a little jar of oil. That's not nothing. So I'm telling you what to do. Go and get vessels everywhere. Remember that old you know, broken down, but it's still intact. Bath over the neighbor's fence, ask them for it. You know, your friends that bought those plastic containers from the warehouse this week, ask them for it. Get every vessel you can. They bring the vessels in and, and mum's there with the boys and she says, boys, Elisha said, if we would pour it, it would multiply. I think she would have been like this. Bring the smallest. And let's see. Oh my gosh. My go is turning into God. And it filled. Get the next one. It filled. 
to get the bath and it filled until there was not one ounce room. And she said, boys, we're in a miracle moment. Get another vessel. They go, Mom, there's not another vessel in the whole city. Here it is. Your activated faith, my activated faith, will determine how much D is added to my go. God's calling you to have a generational legacy, an echo. He's calling me and that's why we make no apologies. It's not always easy because often we look at our reality and go, oh my gosh, it was never meant to end up like this. I'm sure Abraham and Sarah said the same thing. We, we never expected to have a child that way and look at the pain that that child brought. That's what David said. I never expected to look over the balcony and give in to that moment. Everybody's got that story. But we take the seed and we go, no, I'm not going to allow my human reality to dictate the call of God. Faith is a divine seed which requires natural, fertile environments. Stop saying, why God? Start saying, God, I've got a jar. It's going to multiply. Something's going to be made of my life. See, to balance our human reality means we've got to all understand active obedience releases divine supply. All I got to do is just keep saying yes when God says, would you? And I'm asking our church on behalf of our nation and further afield wherever God calls us into and whatever He calls us to do to be people that are led by faith and not allow none of us not allow our human security, our, our human priorities. We've got to do things, but don't allow them to cause us to go around the mountain. One of the things I love to listen to is Spotify at the gym and at home, I turn it on. But how many know when you put it on the receipt, receipt, um, repeat cycle on a small playlist, before you know it, you're bored. You know, I think God sometimes looks at our lives and goes, guys, you get satisfied with so little. Take it off the repeat cycle. Come on, take a step in faith. Be somebody that allows the wonder of God's purpose to lead us. And your current reality is not the end of the story. Look at me. Every person in this auditorium, every person watching this online under the sound of my voice, there is nothing you have done that disqualifies you from God coming back to the centre of who you are. The Bible says, even though you were not faithful, He remains faithful. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.